Hey, this is singer-songwriter Danny Horovitz, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. Hey everyone and welcome to the show. This is our first recording of 2024. It's great to have you here. A new year, new possibilities. You're going to see a lot of new guests, new ideas, and a whole lot more. And you know, what a great way to start this whole thing off by just talking music. And in fact, my next guest uh, is a mainstay of the Boston music scene. If you know the band Missile Thrush, likely you will recognize the name of Valerie Forgione to talk about her new project, Lovina Falls. Uh, Valerie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. All right. Uh, there is so much to dive into because uh, if you have not yet heard her debut album for this new project, uh, Calculating the Angle of Our Descent, Check this thing out. It's a great collection of music. Um, but I guess I want to start by just asking how this solo project came to be, because you've done like bands in the past, but this is you just all on your own. I guess the short answer is I really missed writing and recording and performing. The longer answer is I spent the last 10 years or so writing soundtrack music for plays, for podcasts, for theater, for indie film, and writing instrumentals. And so I spent a lot of time sort of learning the learning how to put sort of scenes and moods together through music in a different way than I had being in a band. And in the process of doing so, I would get very sidetracked. So I have a studio down in the basement and I'd be like, oh, I've got to write the scene where the man comes in and blah, blah, blah. And then I start writing something else. And then, you know, three hours later, I'm like, oh, I had this thing. I have a deadline. I totally got sidetracked. So the album sort of started that way, sort of by little mistakes and wanderings um, while doing my real work. And uh, and then eventually I thought, well, you know what? Why don't I just go in and record a couple songs? I had gotten together with a few folks trying to put the band a band together and that the connection really wasn't there it's it's really tough when you've been in a band for a real long time with people who are your family and you've just connected with them you can you can't repeat that so in an effort to try to do that I got together with other people and the connection wasn't there it's just not the same thing so I talk a lot I'm sorry long story short <laughs> I uh I decided to go in and just record one or two songs and one or two songs turned into five or six and then they turned into 10 and 11 and suddenly had an album's worth of material and thought, well, perhaps I should do something with this. I love how this thing just started as something you were kind of just doing just like on your own for fun. And finally said, you know what? I have basically an album here. I may as well just go and like record the, uh, the damn thing. Well, it was definitely, it was, I will say it wasn't, the songs weren't fully fleshed out. They were lots and lots of ideas. And as soon as I started recording, more ideas would happen. And then I thought, well, I need a bass part for this. I have to figure out how to how to play the bass. Or I need a, a drum part for this. I have to figure out how to make the drum part happen, you know? So, but it, yeah, it was definitely, it started from a very organic place and sort of rolled into what it's become. Now, going from bands to doing something totally on your own, did you get the chance to learn uh, new uh, recording uh, techniques, new instruments, things like that? Yeah, actually, um, I <laughs> yes, I'm well, I'm poorly self-taught. Is <laughs> really what it comes down to. Um, like I said, you know, I I've always had someone to say, "Hey, can you play a bass part to this?" And now it was sort of up to me. I mean, I'm a piano player, 
by that's that's sort of my instrument. I'm a singer and a piano player. And so uh, I would I would uh, I guess when you play piano, you get a very good background of how you know you, you have so much range when you're writing on piano. And then when you go to take an idea from piano and put it on guitar, suddenly it's it's the same range, but it's completely it's put together differently. So then trying to play on guitar what I played on piano is almost impossible. So then I would sort of pick up the guitar and say, okay, I don't know how to play this part on guitar, but I can make this other part on guitar that goes along with the piano part because I can play that. And so the song sort of kind of took shape based on my capability with the instruments I was using, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so putting this whole thing together, um, what did that take exactly? <laughs> a lot of patience. Right, <laughs> right. Time, it usually does. A little bit of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, I will say, you know, I so I recorded with David Minahan at Woolly Mammoth, who is one of the kindest, best people I have ever worked with in my life. Uh, anyone who will kind of put up with me, just the two of us in a room for an end, and me kind of making stuff up as I go along. And just being a great partner, a great person to kind of bounce ideas off of and to help me say, look, I want it to sound like and I'd make a sound with my mouth. And he'd be like, OK, and then he'd try four or five things. And I'm like, yes, that's how I want the reverb to sound on that part or whatever. So he was really great uh, to work with. But things were very were constructed very carefully, like piece by piece. They were layered together. You know, they start off as sort of a skeleton of a song and then you know, with the piano and the vocal, then I'm like, okay, here are the seven vocal tracks because I'm very big into harmonies. So the vocals, and then it's, here's the bass part. And, oh, well, now I'm hearing this other keyboard thing. And so things just sort of happened and they, they were put together in real time and then sort of finished in the studio, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, so we started there. Um, and then when I had the album done, I thought I probably ought to do something with it. And so that's sort of the, the next steps that I took uh, towards, um, releasing the album. Uh, okay. And, uh, yeah. And there's, there's a lot involved in that too, but I won't, I won't, uh, I won't go too far down that path. Yeah. 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 Now you mentioned how you had been kind of like out of music for a little while uh, doing the work with, you know, plays and podcasts and that's a whole separate, that's a whole separate, separate discussion folks. It's a whole entirely yeah. different episode. Um, yeah. but, uh, was it hard for you to kind of get back into music? I mean, being out of it for, for like a little while now? Not at all. Nice. It was, it's not, yeah, it's almost like I just took a nap and I woke up and I'm doing what I love to do. I mean, I love to write music and work with the theater and everything, but performing and writing songs and getting in a room with people and playing the songs and then going on and performing, there's, there's really nothing in the world like it. It's because singing is such sort of a, it comes from inside you. And so the experience is like, you know, head to toe. It's not, you know, just sitting at your desk writing music on a piano. It's it's this full body, full sort of environmental experience that you share with the other people in the room with you, whether it's the wonderful, brilliant musicians I'm lucky to play with or the beautiful audience that's there enjoying it with us. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah. All right. You know, this question, I'll bet you get a bunch, but I am curious, the band name, where does that come from? I'm going to get this wrong. Great, 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 great great grandmother's name whoa yeah, my sister and yeah my younger sister had done a family tree and she sent it off to all of us and i was like oh lavina fall except it was lavina fall not with an s it was lavina fall and i said oh if i ever do it a new band that's what i'm going to name it so that's sort of where that came from oh that's so perfect too because it yeah. has just that very like kind of a mysterious artsy rock sound to it 
Oh, good. But that's so cool. <laughs> that, that So this really comes right from your family. Out of curiosity, yeah. do you come from a musical family too? I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. My, my whole family is extremely musical. Very, they're, they're very into, we, we grew up singing classical music from like age five. We mm-hmm. were in these choirs, these cho- treble chorus, which was like a touring choir in, in New England. And I learned classical and German and all this sort of stuff before I kind of knew how to, you know, do anything else. So. Damn. It's a hell of a background yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good to be around that kind of music too. I mean, to be around music all the time too, because it really helps you appreciate life in a different way. How so? Everything becomes sort of musical, Mm. you know, when you grow up with it. So it's whether, at least to me, it's, you know, I'm I'm driving in my car and the sound of, you know, when your tires hit those little bumps on the road and they have a little rhythm to it, or if you're in like an MRI machine and it's kind of making those worry noises, you're kind of writing songs off of it, or you're hearing music in it, or you're riding on the bus and someone's tapping their foot and someone else has a pen clicking and, you know, and the, and the, the, air, the air in the bus is making its own noise. It's like things sort of become their own sort of songs, do you know what I mean? And can be very inspiring. I never thought about it that way before, but yeah, okay. And I will also challenge any of the listeners out there, make a song from an MRI machine. I dare you to do that. <laughs> I dare you to do that, folks. Make it happen. Um, all right, so let's talk about a, a little more about uh, about your background because um, I know that you were in the band uh, Missile Thrush, which, was a, which yeah. was a big deal back in the late 90s into the 2000s. Does Lavina yeah. Falls take anything from that? Uh, I would say... Yes, ish, me. <laughs> I mean, the uh, I guess that the we wrote Missile Thrush wrote everything together. Mm-hmm. So all of the songs are parts of everybody. And so I, I am one fourth of Missile Thrush. So therefore, there is that there. Um, and there were songs like I would bring in a song or the, or the bass player would bring in a song, an idea, and then we would kind of deconstruct and reconstruct it. And it would become a Missile Thrush song. Basically, what, what Lavina Falls is, is, is sort of like, maybe something I would bring into missile thrush, missile thrush that would then be reinterpreted. So this is almost like the preliminary version of what that would be. The difference is there's nobody to reinterpret it. It's, it's only me. So it only has my own interpretation. So it's, it's a definitely a different, a different experience from, from my standpoint, because there's nobody to bounce the ideas off of or to say, Hey, that's a really bad thing that you're doing. So it just stays, you know, <laughs> it becomes part of the song and you hope it flies. But, um, but the, the the songwriting process is a lot different, for sure. I imagine because, uh, like you said before, uh, you have a foursome. So everyone's kind of kicking in their own ideas and thoughts and what have you. And now it's just, well, you on your own. So what's that like to more or less be the everything when it comes to the songwriting process? It, well, it's, it's a lot harder. Right. You know, in, in <laughs> Missile Thresh, like a lot of times we would we would just kind of go into the space and just start playing. And we could play for 20 minutes and then eventually you kind of get a song out of it and, and you sort of riff and then you get parts and then you, you know, take it apart and put it back together. But when you're doing it yourself, you're just kind of like going along. So basically what I'll do now is I'll write a little piano melody and record that. And then I'll go back and I'll sing a little vocal melody over it. And then I'll say, OK, where what does this mean? Does it need more? Does it need less? What parts? And then I'll, I'll work from there. But there's, again, nobody to bounce it off of. So the the process is much more. It's more finite. It doesn't go on for 20 minutes. You know, it's it, it's whenever you press stop on record is when the song is done. So it's definitely a different approach. I'll bet. Um, how yeah. is it when it's time to say, okay, this is done? Do you ever 
are like are you the kind of person where it's hard to want to like walk back and say no more yes because i'm i'm a perfectionist what is the expression don't let good enough get in the way of a that's what it is. Don't let perfection get in the way of good enough. And um, and so that's that's I think one of the things that I've actually had to work on. The first song I did recorded was on your side. I spent more so, more time recording that song than a, on recording hologram because hologram was the last song I recorded. And that one probably took half a day for the whole thing, you know, whereas on your side was a couple of days, a lot of different parts, a lot of kind of reconstructing and 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 so on and so forth. So it, the process itself got a lot easier too, as I became more accustomed to sort of my own style and how to put the songs together. Nice, nice. All right, let us talk about On Your Side because this is what opens the whole album and it is such a powerhouse song. I really, really love it. Um, was Thank there you. Was there a reason why this one kind of opens the album? You know, uh, I guess it just sort of, it was the first song I recorded. So it sort of is the introduction you know, to me, to Lavina Falls, because this is actually how it started. It was this song I recorded and I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to do this. And so from a, a positioning standpoint, that was really the opening song of the set, so to speak. Um, and it's also, I think the first song I, you know, I wrote start to finish, uh, you know, since writing with Missile Thrust, Missile Thrust 20 years, 15 years ago or whatever it was. So, so it was kind of like, okay, I did this. Now we're going to put this one first. And, and it, it, the recording, I think, uh, came out pretty okay. Oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Does it get any easier to do this since you have such a strong background already? Uh, it does. Yeah, it definitely does. It's much, uh, you, you know what to expect. It's not like the first time I went into a studio and recorded vocals and I was like, wait, I can't, I can't breathe at the same time I'm singing because it'll make a noise like you get it, you know, and you understand sort of the process. And you also understand that every mistake you make costs you money. <laughs> so you have to be very prepared when you go in, um, you know, to really have your at least your thoughts together in order to let sort of what what's going to happen naturally happen without wasting a lot of time trying to get to that point, you know. I understand. Uh, how about the order of the other uh, nine songs? Uh, was it was this something that, uh, that you had to really spend a lot of time figuring? Out, okay, this one and then that one, this one and that one. Uh, uh, no, yes, but no. I think it's. I wrote. I put this, the album together much like you put a live set together. So uh, you think about sort of how is how is someone going to experience it. Uh, listening to it. And it's, you know, you can kind of throw an awful lot at someone three or four songs in a row. And then when you throw something else in there, that's very different. It's, it can be very jarring. So to me, it's almost like you're trying, it's like a conversation and you're trying to kind of change subjects in a way where, where the, where they naturally sort of flow into each other, even though the topic can be very different. I do like the flow of this thing. It's got a really, really good flow. But I'm curious about the sound. Um, how would you how would you describe this? I mean, I can give you my take on it, but I'm curious how you view it. I ha that has been the hardest thing for me. Um, even you know, putting something up on Bandcamp and there, you know, it'll ask you influences or type of music, and I I don't have a very good point of reference. I'm way too close to it. So I'd actually love to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so I think it has a very strong rock kind of core to it. Uh, it's got a very, like, kind of trippy electronica feel to it as well. It's not too heavy. It's not too light. It's, uh, I think it's got a very beautiful, like, dreamy sound to it, you know? Oh, 
that's what that that would be like my take i think that this is also reinforced by the cover art for this it's a beautiful like blue flower with i believe um a red background where did this one come from so i designed the album all the artwork and everything and that's a photo of a flower that i took in bermuda I, I, but I can't remember what kind of flower it is now, which is terrible. But the flower is actually red. Okay. <laughs> so the whole thing was sort of redone. And then there's, if you look closely in the flower petals, there's a, I did a painting and the painting has all of these numbers in the painting that are sort of like hand scripted numbers. And that's in the background of the flower. So if you look closely at the petals, you can see the numbers in the, in the flower petals. And that has to do sort of with the, the calculation and the calculating the angle of our descent, it's putting it sort of all together and sort of a natural meets kind of mathematical or scientific world. It's like, it's the way I look at the way I write music and the way I hear sounds. It's, it's a bit of alchemy, you know, and it's about taking things that are organic and you mix them with electronic, you know, and again, going back to what we were talking about before about the sounds in the room or something, it's like, these things are part of everything we experience every day. So taking them, putting them into something together, you have organic, you have artificial electronic, you have almost machine sounds. And that, how does that all, how does it blend to create an experience? So the album art was meant to sort of do the same thing. Wow. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are definitely dispelling the notion that band names and album names are just like random words plucked out of the dictionary. They are, I will say Missile Thrush was. <laughs> okay, I got you. But this that one, one was, clearly yeah. not. You clearly put a lot of yeah. thought into like all of it. Um, is that just like the voice of experience talking? Yeah. Oh, yep. cool. It's, 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 it is. I mean, I will say I didn't put the same amount of thought into the titles of the songs. So to be honest. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's definitely from experience. It's sort of like thinking about how how are people going to interpret or misinterpret your sound by looking at your album and or hearing your band name and to just sidebar for a second in missile thrush we were always our band name was always mispronounced and it was always spelled wrong and the the funny thing and i was kind of joking about picking out of the dictionary but i did there was a picture there a picture in the dictionary of the missile thrush bird and what was we picked that name because that bird ate poisonous berries, but lived. It was in the berries or the mistletoe berry. And, and, you know, they had all this like symbolism and blah, blah, blah. And, um, but we would go and play shows and people would spell it like missile, like, you know, shooting missiles from, you know, whatever warships and whatnot. And at one point we were playing, I might've been the 930 club or something. And this guy comes and we're down in the downstairs, getting ready to go. And this guy comes downstairs and works at the club. He goes, he goes, hey, is, is anybody here from the band Nickelbush? And immediately I was like, my next band is never going to be named anything that people cannot understand or at least hopefully pronounce. So, so that was that. That was the lesson learned. Nickelbush. That's not even close. Jeez. I, I how did they get so, that one? I don't know, but yeah, that was that was a lesson learned. The irony is, <laughs> if you had actually gone with that one, you might have had this big competition with the band um, uh, Nickelback, Nickelback, Nickelbush, right. and Nickelback <laughs> facing off for the first time on stage. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be something. All right, that'd be something. Yeah. Uh, man. Uh, so when it comes to um. Uh, naming the songs, though, do you do you put like a ton of thought to that? Or is it more of just like whatever kind of comes to mind? You think, all right, good, we're going with that one. Uh, I I think a lot of it with even with lyric writing, a lot of it has to do with sort of 
what comes out when I first write the song mm. and what, because that's, it's almost like I like, I write the music and the melody and everything first. I write the lyrics sort of last. And it's because the, the music almost tells me what the song is about with, but it's, it's true. It's like the, the music sort of dictates what the song is about, how the melody goes. And then it sort of, it kind of creates an emotion, which then creates a lyric. And then the song titles generally come from the lyrics, depending on what I end up singing at the time I was inspired by whatever was happening, you know? Mm. Um, but like hologram, for example, is actually a working title because I have this really amazing pedal that takes sound and kind of reconstructs it and creates these crazy, awesome loops from it. And that pedal was the middle section of the song where there's this crazy instrumental thing and it's called a hologram pedal. So that's why that song was called hologram because I was too lazy to come up with any other name. So that's the, that's the only one that has like a lazy name, but the rest of them, they're all sort of part of the story. Oh man, yeah. that, that's, that's too funny. You know, uh, somewhere out there, there is a band and their name is going to be um, a placeholder or temporary title yeah, yeah. or something like that. And they realize <laughs> Your name oh, here. <laughs> they realize, oh shit, we didn't come up with a name. Ah, good enough. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we talked before about this being a solo album, but you, in fact, worked with uh, worked with a lot of different musicians on different songs. Are these folks that you've known from the past, or are they kind of new faces for you? Uh, everybody is a person I've known from the past. Cool. Um, so I, record, I will say, like, what would happen is, uh, as an example, with On Your Side, I wrote, the, I wrote the song, and I needed the bass to be punchier, and I couldn't play the bass part well enough. I couldn't play the bass for what the song needed. And I was like, aha, I know who I need. I need Matt from Missile Thrust. So I called him up and I said, hey, Matt, come do a bass part. Um, when I was doing uh, the single that I'm actually going to be releasing in early spring later this year, I had a guitar part that I couldn't play. And I called my friend Scott Padalano from Missile Thrush. And I said, hey, Scott, you want to come in and play some guitar? So um, and then uh, there's a little bit of Todd Demma from Missile Thrush looped on the song today. There's like a little bit of his drum loop in the middle of the chorus. And um, who else played? Marnie Hall plays violin. Um, she came in and uh, she's just an absolute doll and a, an amazing musician. And I can't play violin. So I was like, please come in and play violin on these two songs. So she came in and brought the violin. And um, and my husband, Brendan, plays guitar. So he was unfortunate. He kind of got the short end of the stick where he lives in the house with me. And I'm like, I need a guitar part. Can you record it so that I can cut it up and put it back together and add it in the background? And so I had a little bit of help from home, too. Uh, and then Chuck Ferreira, who plays, he plays drums with a, actually a, a, a number of bands. Yeah. Um, I had played a show with him a couple of years ago. So a friend of ours had a birthday and we had a surprise uh, performance. She's a big Patti Smith fan. So I went and did the song. It was the first time I met Chuck. And Chuck said to me then, hey, if you ever do anything, I'd love to play drums. So I was like, I need drums on Down the Night because the drum machines are not cutting it and I cannot play drums. Um, so... Uh, that's probably also why the album has a little bit of an electronica feel to it, too, because everything was really synthes. I, I love synths and I have a lot of them and I work a lot with synth sounds. But when you need real drums, you need real drums and I can't do it. So Chuck was awesome. He brought drums for that and for Vaulted. Um, and then Dave Minahan helped at a few spots where the guitar power chords, I just couldn't get them to be powerful enough. You know, get my hands just don't quite make that power. So, yeah. <laughs> So this is almost like an impromptu reunion of of a, a missile thrush. It, it it is, and actually, uh, the live band is three fourths of missile thrush. 
So really? Matt plays Matt plays bass and Scott plays guitar on in the live band. We had our first show in the beginning of December. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, and we actually snuck a Missile Thrush song in the set, too, just because we thought it'd be kind of fun. Did um, anyone catch that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. It was good. And, it, and it's really funny because it's one of the ones we never released, but we used to play it all the time. So, and when we literally like the first three drum hits there, people knew the song and it was, it was a total thrill to be able to do that again. Oh my God. That's so cool. That's so cool. Now have the other guys from the band uh, been like keeping up in music? Have they been like going on to play other projects? They, they have actually. So, um, so Todd, the drummer is currently and now the drummer for the Chameleons UK. And he's actually on tour with them and writing, he's recording an album. I think they're recording an album at the end of this month. Um, Matt was in a band called the day lilies mm, for a yeah, long time. Yeah, and yeah. Laura, his wife is actually sings backing vocals, um, oh. on, when we perform live. So, so it's kind of like a family affair there too. Um, and then Scott, Scott Palano, we call him Scott P he played with Gene Dante for a long time. Really? So yeah. Yeah. That so is they, so cool. They, folks have been around doing their thing. And, um, Marnie used to play with, um, oh, I always get, uh, uh, Rick Berlin, Oh, yeah. Um, ages ago. Yeah. Um, so she's definitely been around in the rock scene forever. And, you know, she's been nominated for Boston Music Awards and stuff like that. So a lot of, I mean, I'm really incredibly lucky to have the musicians that I'm playing live with. Um, we also have a, an amazing keyboard player. Uh, I will say I felt bad for anybody who was going to try to come in and play keys because I wrote, I wrote everything on keys. So that I'm like, uh, it kind of has to be sort of like this. And uh, I'm an amazing keyboard player, very old friend of mine from New York. So she comes in and she makes the trip for rehearsals, you know, three and a half hours drives to Boston to do these rehearsals, but she's incredible. Oh my God. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. How was it playing the show in December, especially where this was, you know, your, where it was, it was basically the old band back together again. It was, uh, it was a total thrill. Um, it was great to be able to play the Livina Falls albums front front to back. Mm. Like it was the first time all of the songs had been played live. We had to reorchestrate a lot of them too because there there aren't. I mean, I, we have two guitars live. There are, there are almost no guitars on the album, so we took a lot of the. Uh, I guess the way I could the best way I could describe it, um, and I have described it, is sort of like I wrote a story, and I brought it to a room full of wordsmiths. And we reconstructed the story. So the plot is still there and the story is still there, but it's been interpreted a little bit differently. So live has more has more edge. It's got more volume to it. It's got a little more of the sort of uh, evident dynamics from like back in the Missile Thrush days where we used to have a lot of lot more of that on stage. Uh, it's a lot easier to do that live too, you know, to have that kind of a dynamic shift. Hmm. It's very easy to do when you have volume to work with. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the stories of the songs. Uh, what are some of the stories that you have on this album? Uh, well, I've always been um, intentionally unclear about the stories when I write a song because to me, listening to music is up to the listener to decide what the song is about. You know, so I I don't outline a specific story i'm not like a you know a bob dylan where i'm writing sort of like here's the story and you kind of wandering along through the story and you get kind of what's happening i'm also not that clever so i think maybe that has something to do with it but um no i like i like folks to listen to the music and interpret it in a way that resonates with them you know so so the the i would say each song has um a concept or an idea or feeling or an experience 
but it's it's vague enough where the listener can interpret it any way they like. It's almost like hopefully it's a soundtrack for something that they've experienced if they can connect with it. And then the song is unique for each person to listen to. Ooh, cool, cool. Yeah. Is this a one-off or is there another album in the works? Oh, there's another album in the works. Oh, uh, absolutely. Cool. Yep. Yep. I'm actually back in the studio next week. And at the end of the month, there's probably five or six songs already, like little nuggets of songs happening. So uh, there's, the, I would say at, at the very least, there should be maybe two or three more singles um, before maybe by the fall, maybe even an EP by the fall if, uh, if all goes well. So, yeah. Is this going to follow the same kind of like uh, musical path as the uh, first album or is it totally different? It's hard to say, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. Um, it kind of depends on how things evolve. Yeah, because they, 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 like I said, a lot of them sort of start the same with um, with piano and, and vocals, but where they go kind of depends on, well, I guess it just kind of depends on whim, you know, where, exactly. where I am at that point in time yeah. where I'm adding the next parts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that that's the case for a lot of musicians, like in terms of what they're going to do. It's like, you know what? It depends on the mood. It depends like how I'm feeling yep. and what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. How does it feel to be doing this like new project to be like, you know, back on stage playing live music to be putting out albums? Well, it feels pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but you know, I will say truthfully the same things uh, you, you have the same experiences uh, 20 years later or whatever that you did when you first did it, where you're, you put something out there and you don't know if anyone's going to like it. You perform it. You don't know if people are going to leave the room. Like before the record release party, I had this dream that like we went on stage and we started playing and the room just emptied. And I was like, Oh, this is what we're going. This is what's going to happen. You know, oh, no. this is where we are. Yeah. And so the same sort of fears and insecurities and anxieties follow you through life when you're putting something out there and you're like, the difference I think now is I'm okay with it if people don't like it. I know that sounds weird, but it's it's not. I, I just hope to connect with one person. I hope one person hears it and says, "Hey, that's all right," you know. Because I, I just enjoy doing it so much. It's just I want to I want to share that with someone. Yeah, I think that's experience talking because I think for someone who's brand new, they probably worry like, "Oh man, I gotta pack the club. I gotta sell like a million CDs, what have you." Get older, you're like, "Yeah, if it sells nothing, whatever. I'm I'm just having fun doing this." Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like I said, you do have those, you do still have those anxieties. Like I said, like, are people going to leave the room or something? Oh God, but, that's the worst. But you're always like, I know, but you're, it, it's what makes when, when someone stays that much more important mm. and that much more meaningful. Cause you're like, Oh, they, they actually stayed. Maybe they didn't want to be rude, but they stayed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I imagine that also just the experience of being on stage, but also just like, Everything, everything that, that kind of goes with doing a show, you know, arriving at the venue, loading out your gear, meeting the other bands, you know, meeting the sound guy. Um, well, I actually haven't done all of that yet. The show that we played, we we did it in that we booked it in um, at the Rockwell. So it was oh, a theater. Cool, cool. So we didn't there were no other bands on the bill. Oh, OK. Um, and we had um, circus artists open the bill. So we had a contortionist and we had um, an aerial hoop um, uh, uh, artist. And uh, so it was very it was in the theater. There was, you know, people were sitting down and we hired the sound man in advance. And so we set up that, you know what I mean? So it was it was a little bit different. It was like putting on um, a theatrical production almost. 
without being theatrical, you know? Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, But the next show we play will most likely be in a club with other bands and, and it will be that whole get up, do your, set your stuff up and then get off stage so someone else can go and get your gear out of their way and get it out the door and it's snowing out and you park four <laughs> miles away and you know, that whole thing and you hope you didn't get a ticket. And, oh you know, my God. Just, yeah. That that's all to come. Yeah, so I haven't, I can't really answer that question yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I lived in Boston for about eight years and for me there was, there, there was always that like routine of going to a show, you know, like seeing who's on the bill, you know, getting your beer at the bar, you know, getting like get, yeah. getting like your spot that you want to be in for the whole show, seeing your buddies if, if they're there. Then afterwards, it's like, okay, you know, is the is the uh, the tea still running? Yep, yep, exactly. So, oh, man, but I expect more to come on that. I'll bet. Now, yeah. I could not pass up the chance to talk to someone who's who's been doing this for so long and who who's so like well versed in the area. Favorite clubs to play at? Oh. Well, so many of them are changed. Sure enough. Yeah, sure enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We had a lot of favorite clubs, and I think the only one that's still left is the Middle East Downstairs. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Um, but there are a couple of clubs, clubs I'd really like to play at. You mm. know, I'd like to I'd like to go back to the Middle East Downstairs. That was wonderful. Um, I, I'm interested in playing the Sonia stage. I think that stage is beautiful. That place the sound is, is so really nice. good in there. Yeah, it's, it's really so nice. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think the Crystal Ballroom is also pretty great. Yes, you know, yes. Um, and then of course the Sinclair, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one can dream. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the the Sinclair I think is like is like the place. I think it's one of those things where if you if you're on the stage of the Sinclair, you think, "Yep, I'm a big deal now." Exactly right, right. Hey. <laughs> or you got a really good opening slot for someone else. Hey, whatever works. But yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the the sound, the stage, the sound on stage is so important mm. from a, a singing perspective. Mm. If you have no monitor, you sound terrible, and so that's why you know it's if 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 I wasn't so concerned about the vocals, I could I would I could play anywhere and be absolutely thrilled. I mean, I absolutely thrilled playing anywhere anyways but but the idea of being able to play somewhere where you can actually hear yourself and you know because the sound is good you can really put on the show you want to put on i think is 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 important you know Um, there are a lot of really there are a lot of smaller rooms though i'm actually very intrigued by you know i'd like to kind of do maybe something at the lizard lounge or something like that there's lots of good intimate environments like i really loved the rockwell i can't say enough good things about the rockwell i mean that we're hopefully going to play there again in the summer um, but I really, really like that room a lot because it has a different feel, you know, uh, and it's a different, ex- different kind of experience, but mm. I do like the, the smaller intimate I- environments too, because you can really connect with people. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And of yeah. course you, you, uh, you can have, uh, the aerial artists, the contortionists and the trapeze artists too, right? <laughs> yeah, in, the, in, in the big rooms you can and the little ones you such certainly can such a cool idea yeah. I love that because um, I've done yeah. I've been to some shows where they'll have some aspect of performing arts along with the mm-hmm. bands but man this is a whole another whole other level there I like that yeah yeah it was good you know we maybe we'll do it again you know if we do another one in the fall or something but we'll see were there any bands from the Missile Thrush days that were just like always your bands to play with we played with lots of different kinds of I'll bands bet. and we made, and, and we, we actually, we would play with everyone from like Quintana Americana to, uh, I'm trying to think of one of the more, um, you know, to Amanda Palmer or something like that. You know, it's like our shows were very, we played with the strokes, you know, and we played with lush, you know? So it was like, it, we played with lots of different kinds of bands 
nationally as well as locally um, that were a big variety mm. uh, uh, for us, you know, and, and it was interesting because I remember, oh gosh, I wish I could, do you remember the band Tree? Yes, yes, they were yes. Like the, yeah. So we played one show where the singer from Tree came up and we did like a duet. Do you know what I mean? Oh and that's God. like so not what you would expect, this kind of dream pop band and Tree, you know, but uh, it, it, we played with a lot of, I mean, there's so many great bands back there and I feel so bad. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I am very old. So there you go. <laughs> But um, but yeah, there were there are so many great musicians, and many of them are still in town, and some mm. of them are still doing you know doing their own thing, which is beautiful. And so I love to see people who continue to follow you know d- their dream, doing what they love to do. That's one of the things I love to see is bands that I may have heard and say like two thousand or two thousand two, and I'll say oh they're playing somewhere that they're still playing. Holy God! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Oh, that. All right, folks. Well, uh, we are coming down to the end of the conversation. But, Valerie, of course, the big question that people want to know is what can they look forward to in the weeks and months to come? Uh, Well, we are working on some shows coming up. I'm thinking sometime in maybe April. We'll be back out April, May. Um, I have a couple of uh, live videos from the performance we played um, that we're going to be releasing. I have a a YouTube channel. It's at uh, YouTube at Lavina Falls. Um, so, uh, we will be posting more of those. I have this visualizer for one of the songs on the album, Too Bright to Burn. That's just an animated, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it. I guess visualizer is the word that people use now, but it's basically like, um, cartoon design that I drew. It's like a thousand plus individually drawn animated frames that were then color, like I colored them all in and then I put them all together and reconstructed them. And it's almost just meant to be something that's on in the background while you're listening to the song. That one's going to come out um, probably next week. Um, So the YouTube channel, we're hoping to kind of release some more live stuff, you know, and some kind of fun little videos between now and the next time we play. Um, And like I said, going into the studio now, so uh, I'm hoping to have a a release out maybe by March. We have a new single that will probably be out then and uh, more to come. You can also go to lavinafalls.com, L-O-V-I-N-A falls.com. You'll find everything there, the music, the videos, all the information. And Valerie, certainly looking forward to the next conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. Likewise. Watching the crowd that stands outside and dip in my head to either side of sight. You may be the man who stands in way to catch him before they can escape the light. I'm a mess.
And with that, we bring this episode to a close. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, check us out on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. You can catch this and all your favorite episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And new episodes are added every week, as well as on Boston Free Radio every Saturday at 10 p.m. You get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com if you want to suggest a guest, submit your music, or just drop us a line. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.